what is your ideal day look like? And if your ideal day looks like I want to sit on a beach with a margarita and I want to look on Voxer and answer messages and then shut down after a couple of hours, then we build a business to support what that looks like for you. Welcome to Royalty Redefined, where you become the queen or king of your life. If you're ready to thrive as a visionary leader and really step into your power as the creator of your reality, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Christina Kelly. I'm a coach to seven and eight figure brands and keynote speaker who loves helping ambitious leaders create the impact they were born to create. Now it's your turn. Let's dive in. Let's be real. There are a lot of marketers out there who are talking the talk and promising that they can get you all these clients and all these amazing things, but they're not actually walking the walk and they are not the real deal. Now, you know that if I am going to have someone as a guest on this show, I have thoroughly researched them and maybe even worked with them myself before having them come on here to share their expertise. And I can very confidently let you know that the incredible woman who we have on today's show can not only talk the talk, but she truly is walking the walk and she is the real deal. You are going to especially love today's podcast episode if you have a business of your own or maybe if you're just interested in marketing. Because on today's episode, Jen is dropping so many gems and sharing so many unique ways to market your brand, to market yourself, and to build your business in a way that feels good to you. Now, before we get into the juice of this episode, let me tell you a little bit more about my friend, Jen. Jen is the CEO and founder of Neat Marketing, a boutique marketing consulting firm based in Louisville, Kentucky. Jen and her team create innovative and data-driven, we love data-driven, marketing strategies to help brands increase visibility, website traffic, and ultimately, conversions. In her free time, she enjoys exploring her city with her fiancé and Bernice Mountain Dog, running half marathons, and trying new bourbon. You guys are going to love today's interview. Let's get into it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that was a great introduction. I really appreciate it. Of course. So what I always love to do with our guests is really dive into a little bit of their backstory. So I would love to know from you, can you tell us a little bit more about where your journey began and maybe what inspired you to start your own business? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2019, I took my first corporate job. I thought it was going to be a dream job. A couple of months in, I became a victim of sexual harassment. And every single day I was going into this office and I could not escape from this executive. So after a couple of months of being on the receiving end of sexual harassment, I was like, okay, we need to do something. I have to make a change. I started to look around for other jobs and I just wasn't really finding what I was looking for. I liked my job. I just did not like the environment and I was having trouble finding something that was very similar to what I was doing. I was in product marketing in tech at that time. So before tech was really cool. And couldn't find anything. So I was like, well, maybe I should just work for myself. Like how hard could it really be to start a business? 
It's actually incredibly difficult, as I'm sure you know, and a lot of your listeners do. Very, very hard. So I started off, it was a side hustle for sure until I built up a couple of clients and I felt comfortable taking the leap. Going into the new year, 2020, I knew that I had to rip off the Band-Aid because my corporate job was like my crutch. I got a paycheck every two weeks. It was very comfortable. Despite the very uncomfortable environment, I still got that steady paycheck and those benefits that came along with it. So ripped off the Band-Aid, went into the new year, 2020, working for myself. A couple of months later, the pandemic hit, which for most businesses, it was extremely detrimental, but for neat marketing, that's what blew up our business. So I truly believe that without COVID, we would not be where we're currently at today. Wow. There's so much there that I really want to touch on. First of all, I'm so sorry for the sexual harassment that you experienced. You know what? For a while, I felt that way too. I kind of played the whole like, oh, poor me. Why me? Like, how dare this happen to me? But without that happening, I would not be here today. I think I would still be working for somebody else, whether I stayed at that company and just kind of stuck it out or whether I looked for a different job and just maybe shifted my career. I would have worked for someone else. That was exactly what I needed to get things moving with entrepreneurship. I knew when I was younger, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So so I got my MBA actually after um, undergrad. And when I got my MBA, I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go work for someone else for 10 or 20 years and really build up my corporate experience because I had worked for multiple agencies prior to working in corporate America. And I just, I don't think I ever would have gotten into entrepreneurship in my twenties had I had a really good corporate experience. So though it's sad and it happens to so many women, again, without that, I wouldn't be here. You have such a beautiful perspective on this that I really want to touch on a little bit deeper. And it's funny that you're talking about this right now because just yesterday I recorded a solo podcast episode that's all about how your hardest times can be such a big blessing. And so when you're in it, feel the pain. I'm not saying don't acknowledge your emotions, but then also at the other end of that, so many beautiful things happen. I think for me about two breakups that I went through before I found my current relationship, which is beautiful. Both of these breakups were awful at the time. I was like, it was just really hard, but both of them spurred either the start of my new business or a new leap for myself. And in hindsight, I'm so thankful. And I think that for anyone listening to this, you know, you're hearing this message for a reason right now. And I want for you to take a moment, take a step back, think about maybe areas in your own life where things aren't going according to plan. Maybe something really sucks right now, but really just use Jen right now as an example and think to yourself, okay, if this woman can go through that and come out the other end stronger, better, happier, all these other things, then you can do the same. Absolutely. I love that message. If, if things feel really rough right now, it's rough for a reason. I heard someone say this one time and I really liked it. It stuck with me. Resistance is just redirection. If something feels really difficult or if you're feeling resistance, or if something is resisting you, um, it's a sign to go in a different direction or to try something a little bit different. So don't be afraid to switch things up. If you're going through a really difficult time, it's happening for a reason. And I truly do believe that. I believe that as well. And another thing too, that it seems like has been a very big theme, just based off of what I've seen in our conversations one-on-one, also just through your content, is your ability to love challenge and to take it on with like a gusto. And this is something that I'm sure other people listening to this can probably relate to. We have a lot of high achievers in this audience. And I think that 
challenge is one of those things that ultimately it's a choice where that challenge leads us. And we can either take on challenges and let them break us, or we can let them make us. And we can absolutely love the journey. Now, off air, you mentioned to me something that we have to touch on right now. And that is you are a formally nationally ranked BMX racer, which is so badass. And I actually didn't even know what this was. And so I want for you to kind of touch on a little bit what this journey was like for you. And this is something that I now know was so challenging, but it seems like it really helped shape you into who you are today. And so I'd love for you to touch on this. Oh, absolutely. So when I was younger, I was telling Christina before we started recording this episode, I was so eager to race motocross because my dad raced motocross and I thought that would be super fun and exciting. Um, my parents were not very into the idea of me doing something quite that dangerous. So I ended up in BMX racing instead. We actually had a family friend who raced BMX. We went down to the track one day to just watch him race. And I, I knew from the moment we pulled up in the car that that was my sport. And I had grown up like doing a lot of sports, right? I did cross country. I swam. I rode my bike around the neighborhood. I played lacrosse. I was very, very active growing up, but BMX racing was truly my thing. It's something that I picked up very quickly. I really enjoyed it. So got into the sport and I raced at the state level, did really well, went up to the regional level, did well, moved up to the national level and raced on the national level for about 12-ish years retired in my early twenties, really enjoyed the sport though. It allowed me to travel all over the country. It allowed me to meet people from all over the world. Um, the sport itself is extremely challenging. You're getting injured all the time. You're having to come back from injury. It takes a toll on your mental state as well, constantly getting injured and having to go through rehabilitation, but it was so good for me. I also think it's one of the reasons why I crave a good challenge because BMX racing was so challenging for me, but it's also one of the reasons why I am incredibly resilient because every time you fall in BMX racing, you have to get back up. So every weekend I was falling in the dirt and usually getting hurt in the process. And I had to just get back up, get back on my bike, go to the hospital, do it all over again. So I think without that experience, I also would not be the entrepreneur that I am today. Mm. This is all so powerful. And I love too how it already seems like the theme that, you know, we're really touching on here is how your challenges can either be something that makes you just feel terrified, or they can be something that just really, really excites you. And I love how, you know, it really is a matter of perspective. And by changing that perspective, it sounds like you were just able to create a greater level of depth of fulfillment within your own life. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I can't imagine my life without BMX racing. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know where I would be without the sport. I don't know what the person, I don't know who I would have grown into without that experience. So yeah. Um, if you guys have kids, put them in BMX <laughs> racing, great sport, <laughs> really builds your character and teaches you how to be independent and incredibly resilient. That is so cool. So the next thing that I want to touch on here that I'm sure some people are probably curious about is if you go and look at Jen's Instagram bio, she has in there, I build million dollar brands. That is so cool. And I know for a fact that this is something that in fact you do do, right? This is an integrity for you. And it's incredible, really, the results that you're able to help clients get and the way that you're able to change lives with what you do. I'm really curious though, 
what was it like to build your first million dollar brand? Like the first one that really hit that milestone. I'm super curious to know kind of like what that journey was like. And I kind of want like a behind the scenes look at this. Yeah, absolutely. So my first client who hit their first million dollars was in the tech space. So in tech, I feel like it's very easy to get to that point very quickly in business, especially if you have the correct go-to-market strategy, which that is something I helped them build. And because I worked in tech, very familiar with go-to-market strategies and how they should be built out and executed. So I helped them to not only build up their team, but I built up this really great obviously high converting go-to-market strategy. And they hit seven figures within, I want to say six weeks or eight weeks. It was very, very, very quickly with the turnaround time of that, um, that mile marker. So that was super fun, but we've gone on to help probably a dozen or two dozen brands hit that million dollar mark since. And we actually just signed our first billion dollar brand as a client. So not only do we help build million dollar brands, but we now help build billion dollar brands. Huge congratulations to you. That is incredible. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. It is a huge, huge milestone to hit as a business, one that a lot of marketing agencies will never, ever achieve. So to have that at 27 feels incredible. Absolutely. And I know that you very much so earned that as we touched on earlier on here, you've consistently been challenging yourself in multiple different areas of your life. And it sounds like really that perseverance is a lot of the softer skill set that's enabled you to get to the place where you are today. Now, I want to touch a little bit more on marketing here because for anyone who follows Jen on Instagram, which if you're not, you should, we'll put the link in the show notes. She talks so much about different marketing strategies and she's very, very data-driven, which I love about what she does. I would be curious to know though, I'm, I'm guessing it varies platform to platform, but do you have a favorite platform or maybe like two or three favorite platforms that you really love to optimize when working with your clients? Oh, what a good question. Yes, it definitely depends on the client. Just because we work with such a variety of clients, we have product-based businesses, we have service-based businesses, we work with coaches and solopreneurs, people who are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, and obviously clients who are making a billion and beyond per year. So it truly just depends. Something that I've been into a lot lately is digging into Google Analytics. But if you guys don't have Google Analytics hooked up to your website, definitely go into do that today because you get to see who is coming to your website, how much time they're spending on your website, what links they're clicking, where they're coming from, what social what social media channels are working best for that website traffic. You can have the best marketing strategies. Here's my thing, my spiel. I can give you the best marketing strategy in the world, right? The best Instagram strategy, LinkedIn, event marketing direct mail. But if we're not looking at your website traffic, we truly don't know what's working and what isn't working. So I really like to see those visits. And if traffic is picking up during specific campaigns, if we're seeing a lot of website traffic, but no conversions, it's an issue with your website. And that is something that is beyond my control. Um, again, you can have the best marketing strategy, but if you're looking at your website and you're getting 404 errors and buttons aren't working or the website is really confusing to someone who's visiting it, then that becomes a website problem and not a marketing problem. So again, something I've been digging a lot into lately is Google Analytics to prove what's working and what isn't working from our end. Very interesting. I really want to emphasize again how data-driven you are with everything that you do because I think that 
you know, as creatives, as visionaries, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way, it can be so easy just to be like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to throw it out there and let you see what happens. And I believe in it. So it's going to be great and have the belief in whatever you create, but to what you're saying too, it's so important also to have that support in your business from the data, from the analytics, and even looking to other people who can really give you that next level of support. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Don't get me wrong. I think things should feel good in your business. You should be aligned with what you're doing, but at the same time, you need numbers to back up your feelings. Everything comes back to data. Do you have the proof in the numbers or do you not have the proof in the numbers? Because you can feel good about something all day, every day, but that feeling good doesn't necessarily automatically lead to sales. So my clients who are very into, um, how do I put this feelings and the woo and being very spiritual. I'm always the one who comes in with the strategy and the numbers to help them figure out here's what's working. Here's what's not working. And just kind of going from there. I know our space is very much about that. Like when it feels good to post post, when it doesn't feel good to post, don't show up on social media. But if you are truly building a business, if you're building a company, you need to understand the numbers in your business. Absolutely. And I think to what you're saying too, for anyone listening to this, I know that I've even worked with clients in the past who are like, Ugh, structure and data. That's not, it sounds very confining, but the truth is that's what sets you free. Because in order for you as you know, the visionary who's probably listening to this right now, in order for you to truly thrive and to feel so fulfilled within your creative genius, you do need to know the data of what is and isn't working. The way I like to phrase it is think of it like a stable foundation, that stable foundation that you need to land on in order to truly feel safe to fly. Oh, that's a great one. I really like that. (laughs) Good. I'm happy to hear that. Something else too, that I'm really curious to know from you as well, is I know you've mentioned you work with a lot of different brands. You've mentioned a lot of tech as well. I know that a lot of people listening to this are going to be probably, you know, coaches and consultants. I've seen on your social media where you talk about things like top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel and all these things that I just had no clue about before, but seem obviously so helpful to maybe the coaches and consultants who are listening to this. Can you go over a little bit about what this really is and maybe just like a super top line um, version of how that would really work for them? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about a very simplified version of a sales funnel for my coaches and my consultants and mentors. So when you think of a sales funnel, if you're a visual learner, I want you to put your fingers together, your pointer finger and your thumb, and it kind of looks like a triangle, flip it upside down. That is what a sales funnel looks like. And then you're going to divide that into three parts horizontally. So you're going to have your top of funnel, your mid funnel, and your bottom of funnel. I'm like using my hands like you guys can see me right now. <laughs> I do I'm that a too. hand talker. <laughs> I have a problem with my hands. So top of funnel is going to be kind of the awareness. So it's how your future customers are discovering you. So think social media like LinkedIn and Instagram, event marketing, paid ads. It could be your blog, your website. There's a lot that could be going on for top of funnel, but it's awareness. So that's it's, it drives me insane when I see people who say, Oh, high converting content. Okay. That conversion that you're going to be looking for when you say high converting content is probably going to be joining an email list or hopping on your SMS marketing list or maybe going to your website or booking a call. The conversion is not a sales conversion. 
We want to convert them from top of funnel to mid funnel and mid funnel is going to be the nurture part of your funnel. So this is going to be your SMS marketing. It's going to be email marketing. It's where people are actually opting in and saying, oh, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So this is where you're really nurturing people behind the scenes. Bottom of funnel is simply sales conversations. This is when people are making a decision to either buy from you or to not buy from you and to go with a competitor. So that is the simplified version of a sales funnel, but know that content isn't converting into a sale. Content is converting into an email list. It's converting into a sales call. It's converting into a website visit. And I think that's the most important takeaway from this. I love what you're saying here too, because as I'm thinking about logistically how this would work, it feels like such a better sales process, right? It's not as pushy. It's okay, we're gonna get to know each other. And if we feel this is an alignment based on my messaging, then we'll hop on a call. And so I love the way that you explained the, you know, still obviously quick because obviously you get results for clients very quickly, but yet very much so not rushed process. Correct. And I think that with anything in business, if you're seeing quick, fast growth, that's also a scary sign that you're going to fizzle out very quickly as well. So I like to see my clients. Yes, I obviously want to get people results, but everything I do is very sustainable. Um, So a lot of my clients, I do work with quite a few coaches and mentors. We're not even launching anymore because for a lot of my clients, the concept of launching for six to eight weeks just does not work for them where they're currently at in life. So we come at it from a much more sustainable approach by looking at a sales funnel and breaking it down from there. So they're constantly enrolling in their programs. They're pushing paid ads. They're taking a very omnipresent approach to their business. Love that. Again, with everything that you're saying, it's it's so an integrity. It's so authentic. Obviously these results are incredible, but they're very real. And just overall, like the energy that I'm feeling from this is obviously very quick because you have the proven strategies, but yet it's not rushed. And that's something that I really think distinguishes you from a lot of other online marketing professionals. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. The thing that scares me is the whole like six figures in six months or seven figures in your first year. And Though that's great and it's very, very exciting, at the end of the day, a lot of my clients have done that. They've seen quick success, but then they don't know how to sustain the success Mm. that they're seeing or they become very burnt out launching and continue to launch in order to keep up with the the growth that they once saw, or they become very disappointed when they can't sustain that. So it's really important that whatever marketing strategies or sales strategies that you're implementing to, to look at it from a perspective of, can I sustain this over the next year? Or can I sustain this over the next three years? And if the answer is no, then that marketing strategy is not it for you. Very interesting. And this, this all based on what you're saying just feels so like obviously incredible because the results you get people are incredible, but also like, I don't want to use the word easy because that's not it. You put so much work into this, but very doable, very sustainable. Yep. And it should be. And the other thing that I look at too, when it comes to my clients is they should be able to pass off these strategies to a team member. If your business solely relies on you showing up on Instagram every day, that is a huge problem. You should not have to show up on Instagram every single day in order to get clients. If you want to show up maybe twice a week, if you want to post a couple of times a week, if you want to send out weekly emails, if you want to schedule out your weekly podcast, it should be very, very, very sustainable. And it should be easy to pass what you're doing off to a marketing assistant or an executive assistant or a content manager. You should not have to do all of your marketing yourself. So everything I create, I create that with that in mind. Love that. 
Let's right now take a step a little bit deeper into what you mentioned before, which is sustainability. And this is something that I do not think enough people are talking about. And this is probably because, you know, we're used to the very quick instant gratification reels, swipe left, swipe right. Now, don't get me wrong. I love reels. Okay. I personally love like the little bunny reels. I think they're so cute. Like they instant smiled my face. That's a tangent. But what you're really talking about here is having that long-term vision that I think a lot of our brains aren't wired to think in right now. So I would love for you to touch on just a little bit more what really building a sustainable business means to you? Oh, that's a great question. When it comes to building a sustainable business, and I I go through this process with my clients, but figuring out what is my ideal workday really look like? Is it sitting on 10 client calls back to back to back all day and then getting done with your day and being exhausted and going to bed and doing it all over again the next day? If that's what you picture success to look like for you and that's what you want your day to look like, then that's fine. Then live calls, live coaching, that makes a lot of sense for you. And we will make sure we get you tons of clients in the door for that. But if you look at that and you're an introvert, you're going to say, that's exhausting and I don't want to do that. And that's not what success looks like to me. And that's not what my ideal workday looks like. Then to me, that screams, well, we need to take a more omnipresent approach to what you're doing and create some more one-to-many programs and even some more passive offers and start to utilize paid ads and start to utilize PR efforts as well. So it really just depends on starting with what is your ideal day look like? And if your ideal day looks like I want to sit on a beach with a margarita and I want to look on Voxer and answer messages and then shut down after a couple of hours, then we build a business to support what that looks like for you. So it's all about defining like what sustainability looks like. Because for some people, if you're extroverted, you want to be on calls all the time because that is where you get your energy. You want to go speak at events. You want to speak on podcasts. But my introverted clients do not want to do that. That is their literal worst nightmare And they just want to chill out on a beach with their phone, checking Boxer. So it all comes down to what is sustainable for you, because that's going to look different from person to person. Mm, I love how with everything you're talking about here, it's so personalized and it's really specific. It sounds like to that person's unique strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're the type of person as well, who's like, well, I really want to do live coaching, but in order to do live coaching, like I need to stop creating content. I really need to take a step back. Then we hire accordingly. We hire that content manager who then can create all of your content for you. So yes, everything we do is completely customizable to the CEO and her business. Love that. And I think that's so important too, because we are not a one size fits all. Every single person has different strengths. Every single person has a different idea of how they want their life to look. And I think that when you're hiring any consultant, it's so important to really look for someone who won't just give you their idea of success, but will help you with your idea of success. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I have clients who are getting ready to sell their businesses. Their goal was to sell. That's the vision they had in mind. They wanted Mm -hmm. to sell their business and they wanted to start a new business. But I have other clients who are very comfortable making around 50 to $70,000 per year, and they just want to sustain that over time. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's really important that when you work with a consultant, whether it's me, whether it's someone else, that they have an understanding of your business and your personality, kind of how you like to run your business, what gives you life, what fills your cup. Um, And then just having an understanding of your own background as well, because my clients who have 10 years of marketing experience, we have very different conversations than my clients who have never worked in marketing a day in their life. Yeah. So, so powerful. 
another question that I have for you now to kind of switch gears just a little bit is what would you consider one of your biggest lessons when leading other people? I know that you certainly have a team, you lead a lot of clients and you have a lot of experience as a very dynamic leader at a very young age. And so I'd love to know what you feel like one of your biggest learning lessons was, or even if you don't want to get into that, maybe just a really important key takeaway and something that you wish you knew sooner. Oh, I have such a blessing to share. Somebody told me this a while ago, and I didn't take it very seriously until it something happened to me. Be slow to hire and very, very, very quick to fire when things are not going right, because your worst performing employee will suck so much energy out of you and so much money. A couple of months ago, I had to fire one of my first employees, and it was one of the hardest experiences I had ever gone through as a business owner. It was such a tough conversation to have, but it was someone who I had had multiple conversations with. I let her know that I wasn't super happy with the work she had been doing. I tried my best to make accommodations, to provide more support, and I was not seeing the results I was seeing, and I should have cut the umbilical cord months before I finally did, but I had grown so close to this person, and making that decision and having that conversation was so incredibly painful, but as soon as we cut the cord and we let her go, I hired on a team of really incredible employees and our business has quite literally blown up in the last like four months or so. And it's because I have the right team members on board. Mm -hmm. The right team members can make the biggest difference in your business. Don't keep underperforming employees on board. Wow. That's such a power lesson that you just explained here. And it's something that I've heard before, I've seen before, but I think sometimes it almost takes maybe hearing something a couple of times in order for it to really set in with you, in order for it to really stick in with you. And also too, based on what you're saying, something else that comes to mind is really understanding that if someone isn't the best fit for your organization, it's a value to the company, first of all, to you know, nicely let that person go, but it's also probably a value to that person as well, because maybe there's someplace else they're meant to be. Maybe there's a lesson they need to learn. And so it's a benefit to their growth, whether that be tough growth or positive growth to really let them move on to that next chapter. Oh, definitely. 100%. The other piece of advice I'll share too is before you hire, have an understanding of your own leadership style. If you like to not micromanage, then don't hire people who need to be micromanaged. It's really, really important to just have an understanding of how you like to operate. Mm. So, so powerful. I feel like I've already gotten so much just out of this, (laughs) out of this interview. And I say this on every single interview, but it's because I'm very, very conscious of who we have on the show today. And so if you've gotten any value out of this, honestly, even listen to it twice, because there's a lot of nuggets here that I really want to make sure you're really fully letting sink in. I just have a couple last questions for you. And then we'll be finished up with our interview. But really one of the last questions that I have for you is how do you take care of yourself amidst growing a business? You have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders and that's not easy, but I would be really curious to know really what self-care looks like to you, whether that be setting boundaries or that be a bubble bath. I would just love to know a little bit more. I have to be honest with you. I don't think anyone has ever asked me this question before. Wow. (laughs) But it is a powerful question. So not only do I run Neat Marketing, but I also have a fashion brand as well. And we are just picked up by a billion dollar 
retailers. So I'm pretty excited about that. But with that being said, balancing both along with writing a book and being in a relationship and spending time with friends and family, I think it's really, really difficult to do it all and to do it really well. My fiance, along with my family members, they understand that I do have busy seasons. So I've seen that um, just like their understanding and giving me some grace during those busy seasons has helped me so much. Like I feel like it's taken so much pressure off of my shoulders. I don't have to be everything to everyone right now in the second. Mm -hmm. And everyone's very understanding and very forgiving. But with that being said, when it comes to taking care of myself, I'm the type of person who recovers really well being alone. I used to be very, very extroverted. I would say up until around the pandemic, I loved going out. I loved meeting new people. That's kind of what filled my cup. And now I love to just do things by myself. I love to go to coffee shops alone. I love to read a good book when I'm at a coffee shops. I love to go shopping by myself. Right now I'm training for a half marathon. So I love having goals outside of business to chase after. So I'm a big runner. So I have a half marathon in a couple of weeks with one of my best friends. But yeah, really taking time to step back and focus on me, myself and I versus giving, continuing to give energy to other people. That really, really helps me um, practice some self-care. And when I come into a Monday, I am ready for the week, ready to go. And it's because I spent the weekend just taking care of myself alone without, without other people. And I know that sounds very like sad and depressing, but that's just how I operate. I don't think that's sad and depressing at all. I am the exact (laughs) same way, even honestly with my boyfriend who I'm in an amazing relationship right now. We have very clear, like alone time with each other. Honestly, even if we spend a weekend together at some point in the morning, I need to spend like 30 minutes, either in meditation with my journal, something away from him. And it's like with love, because to what you just said and to anyone who's kind of like cocking their head as they're listening to this, like what? (laughs) The thing is that when your own cup is filled up with an energy that only you can give yourself, you're able to give from an overflowing cup and you're able to give that much more to your significant other, to your clients, to your team. And I think it's really such a, it's a power move. And I think it says a lot about your own level of self-awareness when anyone is really able to sit with themselves, to take that time for themselves and to really understand that taking that time to be with you, to fill up your own cup with things maybe besides your business is actually of such high service, not only to yourself, but to others. Oh, absolutely. Another piece of advice to give someone who knows that they need that alone time, but they really struggle. Don't be afraid to say no to people. I think a lot of us are still people pleasers at heart, especially if you've worked in corporate America or you've worked for someone else before. You're just like trained to say yes to every single request. But if you know that that's how you recover, simply saying, thank you so much for inviting me. I love that you thought of me. However, it was a really crazy week and I just need some time to myself. I would say I'm in majority of people in your life are going to be extremely understanding. Yes, that could be an entirely another podcast episode, which we might be diving more into in the future. But really one of the last questions that I want to leave you with here is what does leading with love mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. Probably leading with your heart and leading with radical transparency. As a leader, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, well, I need to have a poker face. I need to be very authoritative, um, very harsh. And that's that's kind of what I've, what I've seen in corporate America. Um, any leader I had in corporate or even jobs prior to corporate America, 
I, they almost didn't feel human to me. They felt like they were on a very different level than me and they were very unapproachable. But since becoming a leader and starting my own business, I've learned that the best leaders lead with transparency and they lead with their heart and they are very, very approachable and they're extremely empathetic. I love all of that. And I so align with it. Now, at this point in the episode, people are probably thinking, okay, how can I learn more about Jen? How can I just be more a part of her world? Can you explain a little bit how people can find you if they wanted to get in contact with you? Absolutely. I am very active on Instagram. My handle is nate.marketing. That's neat with an N, not an M. A lot of people are like, oh, meat. Do you market meat? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? Not yet, but potentially in the future. (laughs) Who knows? We also have a podcast called Served Neat. We have weekly episodes that drop every single Tuesday. Tons of great information. Our episodes are really short and sweet, like under 10 minutes, most of our episodes. We also have our website, Neat Marketing LLC. And on our website, you can find lots of good blog posts. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So add me, Jen Hartman. I'm very, very active on that platform. Amazing. Well, I'm going to make sure to drop those links below over here in the show notes, just in case somebody wants to find out a little bit more about you. Jen, before you officially hop off the show today, do you have any last words or thoughts that you want to share? Oh, I don't think so. But thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that your audience does as well. I'm sure that everybody definitely did. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I hope that it sparked something new in you and I will talk with you again soon. 